What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. You guys, my book is out. I mean, it is out in the world. I cannot believe it. I have been writing it for several years and it's just mind-blowing. Birth Story, Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal is a -a one-of-a-kind discovery into your pregnancy that provides you education through storytelling. So what's it really about? In the 16 years that I have served women with every personality type, I noticed there was a huge disconnect between what my clients were craving for childbirth education in a book and the books that were actually available on the market. There seemed to be unlimited resources if you are looking for an unmedicated birth or a natural birth or a home birth. But there just weren't a lot of resources for my clients who were part of the 92% of women birthing in a hospital and very much open to medical interventions like an epidural, nitrous oxide, and opioid medications. So I wrote that book to fill the gap for you. Week by week throughout your pregnancy, you will engage with material meant to educate and empower you as you plan for your own birth story, hospital, medicated, unmedicated, or something in between. You are welcomed each week with a postcard from the womb, which is an adorable note from your baby about their miraculous development, as well as the amazing changes occurring within you. Then you are invited to use an uplifting birth affirmation and to respond to an introspective journaling prompt to document your feelings, curiosities, and wonders every single week. With room to memorialize your own birth story, this book will become a memory keeper and a legacy gift for your baby. You are encouraged to read one of my favorite birth stories each week filled with childbirth education, tidbits, and explanations of important medical terms and procedures. These are real-life accounts shared with permission from the births that I've attended during my career as a doula, and I gave you a great mix. In the 42-week guide to your pregnancy and 42 birth stories, seven of them end in cesarean section. About half are unmedicated and the other half are medicated deliveries. This is a judgment-free book. So take what you need from each element and leave the rest. Okay, are you ready to buy? I would love for you to go to birthstory.com and buy it directly from me. But I totally get it if you're an Amazon girl. You can head to amazon.com and just type in birthstorypregnancy 
and the book should pop up. I'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. And I would venture to say that you might be an audiobook kind of woman because you're listening to a podcast. So if you would prefer to listen to this book, then I have recorded it and it is available for download at audible.com or on your Audible app. Thank you for being part of the birth story community. I'm so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at birthstorypodcast. Hey, Brooke, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited. Tell us all about like who you are and what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. I'm Brooke. Uh, I have two children now, two boys. I have a three-year-old, Jackson, um, and uh, oh my gosh, she'll be one month tomorrow, Ellis. And I was working part-time on occupational therapist as well. I'm taking some time off um, just to spend with my boys for right now. And we're here because we're going to talk about my home birth and I'm super, super, super excited about it. Okay. I am so excited to talk about your home birth. And I do want to give the audience like a little bit of background. So Brooke and I had actually interviewed for me to be Brooke's doula. And I always recommend that people like interview lots and lots of different people. And so, Brooke, you ended up going with one of my, like, best friends and colleagues, Helen, from Aussie Doula and Company. But when we interviewed, you were having a hospital birth. And it was, we met in person. So it was before, (laughs) I'm assuming, right? It was, like, before COVID because we weren't really, like, meeting in person, like, after we knew about. we were sitting, like, right by each other, eating together. Yeah. 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 Like this, like how life used to be. It was so yeah. amazing. We were just talking about your hospital birth that you were going to have and about like your previous experience and how it could have been improved upon. And then like, I don't want to get too far down this road, but like, then I'm scrolling through, like we've kept in touch and we're friends on Facebook. I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see this post from Brooke that's like, Ellis was born beautifully at home and I panic. <laughs> and I text Brooke and I'm like, well, you didn't make it to the hospital, like an accidental home birth. And it turns out that you had changed and turned to a planned home birth. So yeah, we had a big secret that we kept that was really hard to keep. <laughs> yes. Okay. So fill me <clears throat> in on all of it. So from the day that we were like, you know, having a little snack at Amelie's, talking about hospital birth, then coronavirus hits. And I want to hear everything, like how you moved to home birth. Okay, go. Okay. So when we met, that was, I was planning a hospital birth. So that part was very true. How that had come about is when my first son, we were at the birthing center in town, which unfortunately wound up closing. So when we got pregnant with um, our son, we're kind of like, okay, what do we do? So I just followed the midwives that I knew to the hospital. And that's what we had planned to do. And I guess it was, it must have been a month or two after I met with you. We kind of started researching a bit like, okay, what does a home birth look like? Because we had met, I had met someone through yoga who actually is a midwife and was kind of talking to her about um, home births and how it works. And I didn't actually bring it up with my husband because he's super, super like, 
just wants everything to be really safe. So it's like, there's no way if I mentioned this to him, he would ever want to do a home birth. Like he's absolutely just going to want to be in the hospital because I did have to wind up transferring to the hospital with my first son. Um, and it was kind of chaotic and dramatic. And my husband was like, I don't want to do that again. It was awful for us. And but anyways, had been talking to the midwife and then finally brought it up with him after we did some like birth ed classes. And I'm like, what do you like, what do you think about this? And this was right when COVID, it wasn't bad, but it, we knew like what was going on, but people were still going out and doing things. It wasn't like it is right now. And Meaning like, this decision was not like totally led by COVID. It was like initiated no. by, you know, the desire to have an autonomous birth at home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the reason I started looking into it is because we were doing these birth ed classes and some other people in there were talking about it. And I had never even considered like a home birth. Like it never crossed my mind. I thought it was amazing that people did it. But for me, it was just not something I had ever thought about it. So just started kind of reading about it, listening to some podcasts, brought it up with my husband. Um, and he was like, okay, well, let's like, let's just think about it. Let's kind of maybe just talk to the midwife and see what they think. And then <laughs> a couple of weeks went on and COVID really just started getting bad. And we didn't know what was going to happen. Like we didn't know what the hospital situation was going to look like. I, you know, had Helen playing as my doula. I didn't know if she was going to be able to be there. We have a three-year-old who we had plans for my family to come and watch, but now they can't come because most of them work in healthcare. And it was kind of like, okay, we got to figure this out. So COVID definitely pushed us into it towards the end, but it wasn't the initial reason we started looking into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So yeah, so I did parallel care though. So I still kept my midwives at the hospital and, you know, talked to them about it and they were totally on board and they were like, you know, with your pregnancy so far, everything's been great. We don't have like any concern about you being able to do this. But I mean, they were upfront too, you know, they talked about the pros and cons of, of a home birth and which was, which was, you know, nice and informative of them. And yeah, then we made the decision like, okay, we're doing this at home, you know, if something happens and we have to transfer to the hospital, then we do have another plan, but we're, we're doing this. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple of yeah. things I think people need to know when they are listening to this episode and maybe they're kind of where you are at and they're like, well, you know, you're planning on a hospital birth, but one thing is that you live very close to the hospital. And so, um, you know, I want to, so I know that that's like a really important thing. Like if you live an hour away that may sway someone's decision, you know, but you're very close, what, five minutes, maybe 10 minutes? Maybe 10, yeah. Maybe 10. So very, very close to the hospital for a transfer. And you had met this home birth midwife, like in a yoga class and really were like bonding. You had parallel care with your hospital midwives. So like if you needed to get your ultrasounds and all of those things, but can you just kind of share Brooke, like a little bit more about like what autonomous birthing meant for you? There's a lot of decisions. Like I know COVID pushed you into it, but like you said, you were planning to do this anyway, or thinking about doing this anyway. And I want you to talk just a little bit more about 
the mindset or the type of mindset that's needed to embrace a home birth with confidence? A lot of this goes back to my first birth, which I know we had talked about when we met. And my first birth just, you know, you, you go to these classes and they say, this is, you know, the first stage of labor and this is how it's going to be. And my birth was like, not like that at all. Like I woke up with horrific back pain and it was like fast and furious. I mean, the labor was not fast, but I mean, it felt like it never slowed down. Like I felt like I didn't have breaks and my contractions were pretty consistent throughout the entire time. And they were pretty close together. And, uh, we found out that my son was posterior. So the back pain was just unreal. And, you know, I was scared. It was my first labor. I didn't know what was going on. And I just kept thinking, this isn't how it was supposed to be. This isn't how everyone said it was going to be. I thought I was going to be able to enjoy this and, you know, walk around and talk between contractions. Then eventually it would get harder, but it just was not like that. And it was long. I mean, I know a lot of first labors are long, but this was long and it was 15 hours of, of really bad back pain that was not getting any better. And I made the decision to transfer to the hospital. And, you know, it was hard because I, I wanted to have an unmedicated birth. It was just something that I had really planned for and prepped for. And we'd taken the classes and it was a hard decision. But, you know, I made the decision to get epidural because in the end, I wanted to have a vaginal delivery and I was exhausted. And it had just been a really, really hard 15 or 20 hours. So in the end, I did um, have a vaginal delivery. But after like really thinking about it, after having my first son and kind of like sitting with it, it was hard for me. You know, it was something I kind of had to work through. And in the end, it wasn't the, the labor and the birth that I wanted. And so when we got pregnant with Alice, you know, I talked to, to my husband a lot about it. And I talked to you and I talked to Helen and really just kind of wanted to have like a fresh start. Like, So I'm going to jump in right there too, because I hear you and it's kind of bringing me back to that day that when we met. And I think what's really important that like our listeners are hearing right now is that like traumatic birth or like, you know, interrupted birth isn't necessarily like something like really loud and crazy and like newsworthy, right? It can be as simple as I, it was a first time mom and I had an expectation and I thought things were going to go this way. And when they didn't go that way, it became scary. And when it became scary, I, you know, it was impressionable to then changing things in the moment. Well, when you're in the labor zone and you're changing things in the moment, you're really not able to fully process any of those changes. So things begin to happen to you rather than really being an active participant. Even though it's your decision to transfer to the hospital, it really feels like something that's happening to you that you don't have a lot of control over. And so I just wanted to jump in a little bit about the position of the baby. And so for anyone who's a first-time mom is, you know, we make these sweeping generalizations and that's why my platform's education through storytelling because we don't know the position of your baby. And you can do all the things like Brooke, we talked about, you had gone to the chiropractor, you had a doula. There are things like with spinning babies and mile circuit. We can do all of those things. 
But at the end of the day, our baby is like really kind of in control of the way in which they choose to enter the birth canal and be born. And we try to manipulate that as much as we can. But ultimately, you know, this can happen. Your baby can start to, labor can begin when your baby is facing out and then labor's different. It's what you said. It doesn't grow slowly and steadily. It hits hard and fast and furious and close together. And this is in the doula community, what we call hyper contracting. Like you just wake up and your contractions are on top of each other, top of each other, top of each other. And as a doula, I'm like, oh, her body's working really hard to try to turn her baby. So like we need lots and lots and lots of contractions and hard contractions to squeeze and encourage your baby to rotate. And so with your first, that just didn't happen. And so you were at a birth center, you transfer the hospital, you have an epidural. Yes, everything seemingly goes great and you have a baby in your arms. But I want to honor the fact for you, Brooke, that it's okay that that was not your plan and that it upset you and left a lasting impact when you had to process some things. And so here you are. Hi, I'm pregnant. I want a fresh start. (laughs) And then like coronavirus hits. Like, I I mean, like what's, I mean, I just like, okay, first back labor, like then coronavirus. But now. It was kind of like a, it was kind of like a big joke because (laughs) we actually had dealt with some secondary infertility issues the year before. And it was like, we went through all this stuff and finally here we are and we have this successful pregnancy and things are going great. And then you're like, here's COVID. You're welcome. Uh, But I mean, honestly, um, once we, we, you know, sat with it and really read about it and studied it, like I said, did all the research and did the classes and finally made that decision to swap over we were pretty, I mean, we were pretty confident in it. It was like really exciting. Like I was like ordering all of this like home birth stuff that our midwife had told us, you know, we would need and, um, you know, getting like the birth tub and we knew that our son would be here. So, you know, we kind of started like prepping him for like, you know, this is what's going to happen. And we showed him birthing videos and I mean, he's three and a half, but he thought it was just really cool. And he'd be like, Hey, can we watch those videos again? You know, it was really sweet getting ready for it. I mean, because we're together every day, all day. We have been since March. My husband's been working from home and I stopped working and our son hasn't been in school. So as hard as it was, it was really special that we had all this time together to kind of prepare and just really sit with this decision and get to know like our team. We have this amazing team with our midwife and her assistant and um, Helen and just the support that they gave us throughout was amazing too, to get ready for this, the second baby. Okay. Now you said this was a secret. So yeah. like, did, tell, I mean, tell me more about that. Like secret to who? To everyone? So our, our parents knew and we had two friends that knew about it, mainly just in case we needed help with our son. Cause we wanted our son to be here. It was something that I really wanted. And so, yeah, they knew about it just in case they needed to help us out in case of an emergency. But my best friends I grew up with in Georgia didn't even know about it. And it was so, so, so hard to keep a secret because 
I had to keep acting like I was having a hospital birth. <laughs> and now was that because you you just didn't want anyone's opinions or were you just like, was there something sacred about that fresh start or both, you know? I think it was a little bit of both. It was just, we were enjoying being in the moment so much and planning for it. We didn't want anyone to, this sounds bad, but to ruin that for us. Like, and also I think to take pressure off of me to not feel like, okay, this is it. This is our last baby. We're not having any more babies. It's your last chance for, you know, your natural, unmedicated, beautiful delivery, just to not have all of these, you know, ideas of it's supposed to look beautiful and perfect. And yeah, just to take that pressure off of me and just let things happen like they're supposed to happen. And I, I honestly think that really helps because I didn't have people constantly asking me like, you know, well, how is this going to work? Or what happens if this happens? Or what happens if we have to transfer again? Um, I think it really helped Yeah, with that. Yeah. yeah. And it was surprised, like telling people was so exciting after we had it. I was like, oh, guess what we did? <laughs> I love it. It takes um, like the sex reveal is usually like the supr- one surprise we get. Like, so this is like a whole nother level of like where I heard, yeah. you know, surprise. I was really like, I mean, like I was so shocked, you know, as I said, when I saw your Instagram post, I thought it was like an accidental home birth. Did anyone else think it was an accident? Like, were they like, what happened? A lot of people did. They're like, wait, were you just, cause you know, a lot of people were trying to wait to go to the hospital as long as they can. And like, oh, you must've waited too long. I was like, no, that was, that was totally all planned out. I love it. Okay. I have a question before we get into your birth story about parallel care, because this is very common with home birthing. So a lot of women will actually choose to, you know, have these beautiful visits with their home birth midwife and their assistant, but then also still continue on with their regular OBGYN or midwife. And so one of the key differences in like home birth midwifery care compared to like hospital midwifery care is like length of visit and quality Mm -hmm. of visit. And so I was hoping Mm -hmm. you might just share a little bit about what it's like to go into a hospital and have a visit versus what it's like to have a home birth prenatal visit. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start out with the hospital visit. I mean, I always loved going to them. I just love the midwives that I had, but you know, it's very you know, they have a schedule and they have a certain amount of people that they have to see and emergencies come up that they may have to go to. And I mean, it's just part of that hospital system. And so visits were definitely shorter. It was kind of going through, you know, these are the things that we you expect, you know, in the next few weeks, or this is when you come back for your group B or your glucose testing or whatever, versus having the midwife come here. I mean, I think our first visit with her was, I mean, it was well over an hour, maybe an hour and a half even. And it's just so nice and relaxing. And, you know, she comes in and she just sits down in the living room and you chat and you go through any questions you have. And it's always said it's kind of like sitting and talking with a best friend who's really smart uh, and has a lot of medical knowledge. That's just kind of how it felt. It was just always so comforting. And you know, she got to know my family. She got to know my husband and, you know, my son was there for half of the visits and, you know, he got to help out and listen to baby. And it's just like a really special time. And you do, you build this like relationship and rapport with these people. Um, It's such a, 
like a vulnerable place and time in your life. And these people just become so special to you. Um, I remember when I had my last visit last week, I was like, I'm sad. I said, you know, it's good in a way because I know I'm I'm doing well and Ellis is doing well, but it's sad. It's like this time is like ending because it was just so special to us. Yeah. I always say there's sort of like a weaning off process, but like you're forever bonded. Like there's oh, yeah. no way you could ever walk into a grocery store and that person doesn't remember your name. Yeah. You know, like it's for forever you're bonded soul to soul and family to family. So yeah. Well, and we, I had met my midwife when I was, I must've been like 10 or 11 weeks pregnant. So, I mean, it was early on that, you know, we met up until, you know, I was 40 and five when I had Ellis. So it's a, you know, it's a long time. Yeah. Okay. So you just said 40 weeks and five days. What was your gestation for your first? The exact same. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, you know, you know, how long you are pregnant for. This is really funny. You will hear this a lot from moms that kind of, they sort of have a pregnancy weight. Like this is how much I weigh, like on the day I went into labor with all of my children, like how much weight they gained. And then also like their gestation. Like I just carry my babies to 41 weeks. That's just, you know, how it is. So yours was a 40 weeks and five days. What I would love for you to share about that time period is there seems to be a lot less pressure in the home birth world. And it's very common for women to birth at 41, 42, 43 weeks along. Mm -hmm. And then the hospital setting, right after you go to 40 weeks in one day, it seems like the tension and the pressure kind of starts to build up about inductions. And so can you share a little bit about like what that last week was like for you? Was it was it tense or was it relaxing? Like going past your like air quote guest date, whereas many of the hospitals would have had you scheduled for an induction at 41 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So the hospital had me scheduled for, I can't remember what they call it. Is it like a biometric ultrasound? It's a, a certain, like biophysical. a certain ultrasound. Biophysical. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, cause they're like, okay, well, once you get to this time, we need to do this. And, you know, once again, kind of going through the checklist of things versus, um, my home birth midwife was like, you know, we'll just, you know, see how things go. You know, it was just very laid back, like no big deal. Like you went to 40 and five with your first and this will probably happen again with your second. And of course, I'm getting like all the phone calls and texts of like, is baby here yet? What's going on? When's this baby coming? So honestly, that was the most stressful part was from like my friends and family asking if I was in labor yet. When it comes to like just me and, you know, my family and the midwife, it was really just taking it day by day. There was no pressure. I didn't have any cervical checks at all throughout my entire pregnancy, which was really nice because I I do think that that set me back a bit with my first because I kept thinking I would be further along than I was every time I got checked and I wasn't. So I made the decision and my midwife was totally on board um, with not having any cervical checks and just letting, you know, my body do what it was supposed to do, which it did over, you know, a couple of weeks things started progressing and she was like right on board. She was like, I think, you know, in a couple of days, this baby is going to be on its way here. And it was, it was amazing how, you know, just trusting your body and what it's supposed to do and what it will do versus 
trying everything under the sun like I did with my first to naturally induce labor, which didn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. And when you don't have that like brick wall that you're facing of like an induction date from the hospital, you don't have the pressure to try all these natural, you know, herbal induction methods. So really like when I just talk to a lot of my like friends and stuff that have home births and I listen to other podcasts, like on the doing it at home podcast, the common theme is like, they're so relaxed up in that 40, 41st week and on. And so I'm like, oh, that feels so good just to listen to. Cause I had two inductions, you know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. to hear I other mean, people had... talk about yeah. it. I'm like, oh, it sounds, you know, sounds so peaceful. Well, What I would love for you to share, Brooke, is I know you're a month postpartum, but if you could go back maybe like five or six weeks and tell everyone kind of what were the signs? Like we're not supposed to have a guest state, right? And so how did your body let you know that your baby was coming? Like what were some of the signs and symptoms that you felt for the, you know, the day of or the week before whatever leading up? to going into active labor? Yeah. So the week before I went into labor, I started having contractions at night um, around like one or two in the morning. And it was enough to kind of wake me up and notice them, but I was always able to go back to sleep. And it kind of just happened off and on. Only happened at night. It was really weird. And I would wake up and be like, oh, is this, is this it? And I would eventually go back to sleep and get up and kind of do life and they would go away. And that happened off and on for probably like a week. And then after that happened, what's interesting is my first, I didn't have like the typical, you're going to lose like your your mucus plug and then you're going to have your bloody show and then all of this, like none of that happened. It all happened during labor. And it was different this time because that all started happening. And I was like, oh, this is what this is. This is what this looks like. And it was funny (laughs) because... I took pictures and sent it to my midwife. And I was like, wait, is this what this is? (laughs) Because I didn't know I didn't have any of that with my first. Yeah, that was happening. And it was just, you know, I was still just like doing life and hanging out with my husband and my son and going for walks. And um, I did have really bad um, SPD, so really bad pelvic pain. And that was the only thing that was super annoying towards towards the end. I was really, really over that. Let's talk about that because, yeah. so Brooke, you mentioned SPD, which is symphysis pubis dysfunction. And that's when you have like these symptoms and discomfort that are like in your pelvic region, but like every pregnant mom listening right now is like, oh, I have that. No, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like more than the normal like pressure, but it occurs like typically towards, it can occur really anytime during pregnancy, but typically during the end. And it's when like the pelvic joints become like a little bit more stiff and then they move more unevenly and it can Mm -hmm. cause a lot of like, you can have referred pain and then pain Mm -hmm. like directly like in your pubic bone and like all around your pelvis. And so I just wanted to kind of make sure we defined symphysis pubis dysfunction is different than just like a little bit of pressure. And oh yeah, so, you you know if you have this. It's it's yeah. pretty painful. It affects, you know, getting in and on the bed, getting dressed, walking, getting I mean, it it affects a lot. What um, did you do for relief? 
I went to the chiropractor. Um, I mean, I'd been going to her throughout my pregnancy. Um, that helped. Um, certain exercises, she gave me stretches. And a lot of it is just avoiding... I know it sounds silly, but like avoiding what hurts. So like getting in and out of the bed, you have to roll a certain way. Um, you have to sit down to get dressed. You can't do any like one-legged unilateral standing. Certain yoga poses you have to avoid. A lot of it is just avoidance, unfortunately. And when the baby gets here, it almost completely goes away. It's just amazing. Like two days after I had him, I was like, oh my gosh, my pelvis doesn't hurt anymore. That's pretty amazing. That was going to be my next question. So yeah. So you just kind of notice that you're not having SPD anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) Kind of like gestational diabetes. I mean, sometimes it continues on, you know, but typically like you birth your baby and like your blood sugar is normal or like high blood pressure you birth your baby and like your blood pressure is normal again. Exactly. So same, yeah. same with SPD. Okay. So you are starting to have like some, a little bit of show and some mucus mm-hmm. and like these nightly contractions, which I cannot stress to everyone enough. Like my phone rings all the time between like one and two in the morning. And I'm like, I love you. This is probably going to happen <laughs> every night for like five days. Like, yeah. but I mean, still we want to talk about it, but I want, you know, um, everyone gets really, really excited. And like, I love that you said you're doing life. You're just, you just keep doing life until it doesn't relent and it doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. Then you're doing labor. And so it sounded like that was your attitude. I mean, maybe, did you call your, your doula in the middle of the night? Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. I didn't call them. I did because I remember I had asked my midwife, like, when do I call you or text you? Like, what do you, when do you want me to do this? And she said, I want you to text me when it really gets your attention. Like you can't really like focus on other stuff. So the fact that I was able to go back to sleep and get up and kind of just doing things, I, I, I sent them like a text one time and they're like, that's great. You know, we'll see how things are in a couple of days. And I was like, okay, all right, we're just going to keep doing this then. But I think being at home and being with a three-year-old is a great distraction and just everything that goes along with having a three-year-old. Yeah. And yeah, things just kind of kept progressing. Like I had the show and then... So things are starting to progress. But like, how did you, like your midwife had said, when it really gets your attention? So like, Brooke, when did it really get your attention? How did you know, oh, oh, I'm in labor? So it was a Sunday night and I was walking around and I just had this weird feeling. And I, I told my husband, I said, I'm having a lot of like pressure, like not necessarily like pain, but just pressure. And my back is a little uncomfortable, like more than it has been. 
And he said, okay, why don't you just rest? Uh, we got our son to bed. He's like, I'm going to make you dinner and, you know, do whatever you feel like you need to do. And he actually went and got the birth pool out and like got a lot of stuff set up. And I was like, do you think this is going to happen? He's like, well, I don't, I don't know, but I just feel like we need to have some stuff ready. So I text, um, my doula and midwife and kind of said, you know, this is kind of how I'm feeling. And they said, you know, do what you're doing, eat and rest and um, get a good night's sleep. So I took a shower and went to bed early and the same thing around one or two o'clock, I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is never going to happen. Like it's the same thing again. And I went back to sleep and then three o'clock hit and I was like, Whoa, okay. Um, this is, this is pretty uncomfortable. And I kind of tried to lay there, couldn't really get comfortable. I was like, I'm going to get up and go to the bathroom. And I had a bowel movement and I was like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, something. And I laid back down and at this point my husband woke up and it was around four and he's like, what's going on? And I told him, he said, I think you should text the midwife. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to bother her. It's it's four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) He said, well, that's her job. Um, She needs to know what's going on. And he said, if you don't, if you don't message her, I'm going to. So, um, and I'm going to stop you right there because like, you don't (laughs) normally take a big poo at 3 (laughs) a.m. I mean, doesn't everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Your poop just wakes you up out of your sleep. So, and it was like one of those, like, Oh, this is questionable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So sent her a message, just, you know, don't worry. Just want to let you know this is happening. I think it's super, super early. Please don't come over, you know, like I'm fine. I just want to rest because that was one of the biggest, my biggest regrets was my first is I did not rest. Not that I could, but like, I I didn't get like any sleep. There was no resting. And I think that kind of like affected things too. So I was like, I am determined to like rest in this bed as long as I can. And she, you know, wrote back and said, can you start timing out your contractions? And she said, I really don't think this is as early as you think. I think we need to kind of like be aware of that more. So, um, time the contractions, they were like five minutes apart, but they, I could still talk to them. I could still walk, things like that. They were just definitely more noticeable. So I said, you know, like, I'm glad I'll text you in a little bit. Well, the next thing I know, it's 6.30 and my midwife walks in the room and I was like, what are you doing here? And she said, well, I just really wanted to come lay eyes on you. And I really wanted to come check on baby, which part of me felt really bad. But then part of me was like really (laughs) happy and like, just made me feel better that she was there. I assume that she was communicating with your husband. She was totally hundred okay. <laughs> percent. Yes. They were uh, in cahoots I, together. I think I just would have kept telling her, don't worry, I'm fine for like hours. Cause I just, I don't know. I just kept, I didn't want to bother anybody. Um, this is so funny. People spend like thousands of dollars on like their doula and then their I midwife know. and their stuff. And then they're like, but I don't want to bother you. And I'm like, but you paid me to bother. You paid me. I, know, I took your money so you could bother me. But I, so I feel this though, because I am that type of person also, like where I could have given you all this money like you did. And it still like feels like you don't want to put someone else out, but really the people are there like as a doula and a midwife, like they, we want to serve. Like we're like waiting there antsy, like ready to serve you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. When I just kept thinking like, this is going to go on forever. I just want them to wait as long as they can to get here too. So yeah. So she was here. She checked baby. Baby sounded great. Um, and she said, I'm just going to hang out for a while. I was like, what do you mean you're just going to hang out? She's like, well, I'm just going to go sit in your living room and like read and hang out and you come and get me if you need me. And I was like, really? 
She's like, yeah. Okay. So I just kind of like, you know, stayed in bed for a while. And eventually I heard my son up and eventually got up and just went and talked to them for a while and got in the living room and I could still talk and still walk to them. I mean, yeah, they were uncomfortable, but it wasn't anything I couldn't deal with. And so I said, you know, I think I'm okay. Like I know she had some prenatal visits and stuff. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I'm just going to hang out. I'm going to shower, hang out with Jackson, kind of just distract myself. I'll let you know when things start to get like more intense. So she left and I started cleaning my house, which I don't know why, but I just did. I'm like vacuuming. I'm like steam mopping the kitchen. And my husband's like, I thought you wanted to rest. I was like, yeah, I do. But I just feel like I just want to get like this stuff done. So um, you're cracking that, me up. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> the steam mopping um, is like cracking me up specifically. Well, and then also I was like, we're going to have a baby here. Like I want to make sure things are clean, even though like I had been cleaning for like weeks, but. So you so, just got super nasty. So nasty, like super, super, super nasty and like showered and got ready and got ready for labor, whatever that means. But the thing about it was like, I did not have this time with my first, like I wasn't able to do any of this. So part of it was kind of nice because I was like, oh, this is what people talk about. Like people talk about like this time in early labor where you cook and you clean and you hang out with your friends and your family. And like, this is what everyone's been talking about. So yeah, eventually my son went down for his nap. Like we had all morning together and we had lunch and then he went down for his nap and he came to give me a hug, Heidi, and I lost it. I was sobbing uncontrollably, like could not stop crying. And my husband's like, what's wrong? Is it the contractions? Are they really bad? And I was like, no, I just, I don't know. I can't stop crying. And um, so he put my son down for a nap and he texts Helen and the midwife and was like, Hey guys, um, I think you should come over. Brooke's really emotional. Um, she's okay, but I think things are progressing. (laughs) So they came over, this is like two in the afternoon. And we just like hung out in the living room and talked. And it was getting to the point where I would have to stop talking. You know, I'd be mid-sentence, stop talking, have a contraction, breathe through it. Helen was like giving me like foot massages. And so it was definitely getting like more intense. And they suggested going for a walk. So my husband and I went for a walk in the neighborhood and came back and hung out like in the backyard. And then my son woke up from his nap and I said, I think I need to like get in the water. And they're like, oh, okay. You haven't mentioned water. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think we need to like do something. Um, This is starting to get pretty uncomfortable. So we filled up the birthing tub and I got in and it was amazing. It was the best relief. Like I did not want to get, I could have stayed in there the entire time if they wouldn't have told me to get out at certain points. So I stayed in there for a while. And at this point, I mean, the day has just like flown by because the next thing I know, my husband walks in and says he's putting our son to bed. So it's like seven o'clock at this point. And same thing happened again. Like he came in, gave me a hug. I start uncontrollably sobbing. But I think at this point, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is the last time I'm going to hug my son. <sighs> I'm going to try not to cry. Like with him being like our only child. Yeah, I feel that. Ooh. And I think just thinking about like everything that we had been through with multiple miscarriages and things like that at all kind of was just like hitting me at once. And I was like, Oh, this is like real, like we're about to have a baby. (laughs) 
Um, and it's in my house and we're in my living room and I'm with like these amazing women. And it kind of just like all hit me in my, my playlist, you know, they turned like my playlist on and it was all of my favorite songs. And it was just like so beautiful. And I remember my midwife had said, when your son goes to bed, it's going to get real. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Like, I'm fine with him being late. She's like, I'm telling you, like you do life and then you do labor and it's going to happen. And she was right. It, it, things like revved up and, um, she's, you know, she said, I think we need to check you. Like at this point I hadn't had any checks and I was kind of starting to get like, just super emotional. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? What do we do next? How are things going? And she said, you know, what it make you feel better? And I was like, I think so. I think let's just go ahead and do this. I have so many questions real quick. I'm going to interrupt yeah. you. Um, yeah. So number one, I want to totally agree with like your doula and midwife. I cannot tell you how many, we call you multips, multi moms who have had more than one baby, but like multip moms that are like kind of in this putsy labor. And I will say to them over and over again, like we're, we're mammals and we have to protect our young and we can't protect our young and have a baby at the same time. So as soon as you put your baby to bed and your body and your brain know that your baby is safe and then you can go into labor because you know that your other young is like taken care of. And so like, this is so, and this is why we have all those contractions at one or two o'clock in the morning. Also, when we know that our young is safe and, and we're resting, but I wanted to know, like, like how, like, what were your, how far apart were your contractions? (laughs) But like when you guys were hanging out in the living room and it's like so beautiful and like this, I mean, were your contractions still about five minutes apart or had they gotten much closer together? They were still kind of like four or five minutes apart at that point. It really wasn't until after we went for the walk and we came back that they started getting closer and more intense and my back started hurting, which I was like, oh God, here we go again. Because that was my entire labor with my first. And that kind of freaked me out because I was like, oh, did he turn? I can't do this again. Oh my gosh. And so that was another reason that midwife was like, let's just look at things and just like see how things are going. She's like, if you want to, she's like, we totally don't have to, it's up to you. But she's like, you know, if you want to just see, you know, what's going on, I think it's, it's fair to, you know, to go ahead and do this now. So um, I just want to say like, what an amazing, beautiful experience where vaginal checks are not required, that they're offered. And then it's your choice. I think I think it's just so beautiful. I want to honor that about home birth. Oh, yeah. She totally would have been fine not doing it like at all. Yeah. I Um, guess I should also, let me say this too, to be fair. I also want to say that you have many providers in the hospital that will honor this also. It's just you have mm -hmm. to advocate for it. You just have to say, no, thank you. I'm not interested in a vaginal exam. And at any point, if you are interested in a vaginal exam, you can speak up and say, I'm actually, I'm kind of curious, you know, so I should say you have way less pressure at a home birth, but at a hospital birth, there are so many providers that will accommodate your wish to not have vaginal exams or to have limited vaginal exams. So at this point you're like, um, okay, let's find out what's going on here. Yeah. So we go to get checked and she, um, said, you know, you're about five, six, just six centimeters. She said, but you have a tension ring, which 
I had never even heard about. I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And she said, your body is holding on to like your birth from Jackson. And it's starting to remember what it feels like. And it's, it's literally like tissue. That's like, it's a ball of like tension almost. I'm like, well, what do we, what do we need to do about this? And she's like, well, I just need to kind of like massage it and get things to relax. And you're going to have some, some intense contractions through this, but it's something that we need to do, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I had never heard of that before. So I have, but it's something that we, and I I don't know where you're going with the story. You may be going to the same place, but it's typically like number one, I should say, it's something that I try to resolve with my clients prior to them going into their birthing time by doing something Mm -hmm. called completing a birth. And that's where we actually like re, we close our eyes, we take deep breaths and we reimagine or revision. Like in your case, it would be like, completing Jackson's birth at the birth center without the transfer and mm. like feeling what it would, what it would have felt like. And so like imagining that vision. And so it's something that like I try to work on prenatally, but also like, yes, if I have a really, really good midwife and I am not going to say that OBs don't do this. I'm just going to say this is more about being in tune with your client. So your midwife knew you since you were 10 weeks pregnant. She was really in tune with you. She had spent all of those um, visits at home with you for long periods of time. And she could recognize that what she was feeling, like an OB may feel a lip of a cervix or regressing, regression or swelling or a malpositioned baby but your midwife was able to verbalize like the tension ring as an emotional or a physical response to an emotional output, right? And so like, yes, we can physically manipulate that just like if you have tension you're holding onto in your shoulders, we can release that through massage. What's really powerful is when you release it both ways, like while someone is massaging you, your breath and your like meditation are letting go and surrendering and release too. So like just if anyone's listening and you find yourself in this position, I typically use the mantra, <clears throat> I accept, I surrender. This is different. You know, I accept, yeah. I surrender, yeah, sure. this is different. So tell me like while she was massaging you internally, like how, what were you doing for your own release? When she, when you heard you're holding on to birth tension, how did you process that? At first it was, oh my God. And then just, I mean, she's such like a calming presence, just her talking through it and explaining what was going on. It started to make sense to me and then guiding me through, like you were talking about through like breathing while, and like allowing that breath to release and just know that like, this is okay. You know, this is okay. You're going through this labor. This is what your body is supposed to be doing. Um, and everything is going like it should be. And it, it, it went away. And after that, you know, we got up and we kind of kept going with labor. Helen, who I can laugh about this now, kept making me get on the toilet, (laughs) um, which was, for me, I guess some people like sitting on the toilet and laboring. For me, I did not love it at all. 
But um, several times she's like, Brooke, I think we need to go make a trip to the toilet. <laughs> and she just sat in there with me um, for a Now, while. just like opening your pelvis and yes. emptying your bladder. So yes. a couple of things. When your bladder is empty, it gives the baby more room to slide down rather than yes. this like bulging bladder can kind of get in the way sometimes. But also just being on the toilet or like a birth stool or using the squatty potty, it can like really open your pelvis. And like, I often say, you know, sometimes there's a, and not all your labor, but sometimes we're going to have to put you into do things like a deep squat or sitting on the toilet. And like, the more you hate it, the more effective it might be. But the point to not have medical trauma or labor trauma is to not do it for like really, really, really long time, you know? Like intermittently, I know Helen, and like intermittently, she's making you (laughs) empty your bladder. Well, hello, Ellis. Sorry, someone's hungry. (laughs) Hi. Well, Um, latch him right on. Yes, he's good now. It's a birth podcast. I'm like, just latch him on and we'll keep going. My husband just walks in the room and it's like, here you go. (laughs) Feed, please. Um, Yes. Okay. So... Your tension is released, you're emptying your bladder, you're opening your pelvis, then what happens? There's a lot of this that's a blur. (laughs) There was a lot of just back and forth, a lot of getting in and out of the tub. There was a lot of squatting, a lot of lunging, just really trying to get the baby to move down because time is going by and I keep saying... Yeah, like I'm asking them, I said, you know, am I supposed to feel something different? Like, how do I know when I'm supposed to be pushing? Because, you know, I had an epidural and they told me when to push. So I don't really know like what I'm supposed to be doing at this point. And they, they just kept saying, you will know, like, it's kind of gonna like feel like a bowling ball almost is like coming down, like kind of into your butt and you're going to want to push and it's not going to be something that you can really stop. And I'm like, well, I don't feel that. Like, I feel like there's a ton of pressure and it's a different sort of pressure, but I don't feel that. So we did some things to kind of help move baby down. A lot of like lunging, putting one leg up on the couch, squatting with my husband, like holding me, holding on to like a scarf kind of around his neck and like hanging into a lunge. Just a lot of different positional things. Helen was using their bozo. And I remember coming out of the toilet on like the second or third time going in there with Helen. And I said, you know, I feel like something just isn't right. Like, I don't know what's going on, but something is not right. And the midwife said, I think we need to like check you again just to make sure everything's okay. So she checked me and she said, your water's still intact. You're at like nine centimeters, but you have a cervical lip. And I wanted to cry because I've read about cervical lips. We learned about it in the class. I knew kind of what could happen from it. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Like, no, this is not happening. Like, this cannot happen with a birth. So at that point, we did um, the rotisserie, I think is what you call it. Where I, I'm you not lay... familiar with the term rotisserie, except for so like an eating chicken. I'm... So it's it's kind of similar because what you do is you lay on your right side, you have five contractions. You lay on your left side, you have five contractions, and then you lay on your back and you have five contractions and you don't move. And it was one of the most surreal and intense moments of my life. I love this. This is making me crack up so much. 
So like, I know what you're talking about now. I call it the burrito roll. So it's really oh, funny. Like, I'm yeah. like, why do we put foods associated with this? You know, because like, I guess when you're rolling up a burrito, like you roll up the left side of the tortilla, then yeah. the right side, and then like flip it over. So anyway, so your midwife, <laughs> doula, I'm going to have to call Helen later and we're going to have to laugh about <laughs> rotisserie, which I've never heard that term before, but I call it the burrito roll. And as you were talking, Brooke, I just wanted to also mention for anyone listening who like maybe doesn't have a doula or a midwife and they find themselves in these situations. There's a really good website called spinningbabies.com, and you could become a student of spinning babies by reading about all these different labor positions and having your partner be really versed in them. If maybe you can't afford a doula or there's not a community doula in your area or you're not having home birth. So there are free resources to help know these positions. They may not be called rotisserie or burrito (laughs) roll. So... But yes, okay, so they do these different positions, five, 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 and then? Yeah, then we get up to go to the bathroom again, um, just to like empty my bladder. And um, I had just the most intense contractions I've had the entire time, like almost like on the floor, like intense. And they are getting like stronger and to the point to where there's like not really any breaks between them. I was so nauseous, so, so, so incredibly nauseous. And we got back on the bed. So my midwife said, you know, we're going to get on the bed. I'm going to hold down your cervical lip and we're going to try to break your water. So I um, pushed and pushed and pushed and my water broke and it was a huge relief. And what I didn't know at the time, because the midwife didn't tell me, was baby moved back up instead of moving down after my water broke. So she said, okay, what we need to do now is you need to, we're in my bedroom at this point. She said, we need to get you into like a squat or one leg up position. And you have to keep moving through these contractions. Like you cannot stop. We have to move baby down. She said, he's also like asynclitic. So. Okay. um, Let me define some terms for people. Yes. So that they're like not listening, going, what in the world are they talking about? Okay. So if the baby moves back up, that means that like your baby has decided to reposition and that can be a good thing because you are having a little bit of back twinges. Like your baby could have had like asynclitic is when the head is turned like a little cocked. And we, mm-hmm. we essentially would love your baby to tuck their chin into their chest, straight down, curl their shoulders in and like snugly move through the birth canal. And if imagine if they like tilt their head to the left or the right or their chin is up. That is what we call asynclitic. And so it's it means they're like they're kind of like bumping into the pelvis without really engaging it. My guess is that your midwife was trying to prevent also a cord prolapse. So mm-hmm. if the baby's head is very low and you break water, then the head just comes lower. But if the head pops back up out of the pelvis and your water's gone, well, now that it gives the umbilical cord a chance to slip down. And for many reasons, I'll just say we would not want that to happen. <laughs> and so this is where your midwife with urgency is like, okay, let's get your your water's broken. You're at a nine with a lip. Like, let's get your baby re-engaged. Let's try to do some things to promote tucking his chin and engaging, re-engaging your pelvis in a different way. So squatting, lunging, what else did they have you do? At one point, my husband was like sitting on the bed and I was kind of like leaning back into him, holding on to him. So kind of like in a 
squat, but not full squat. Um, I don't know the best way to explain it, but just a lot of different positions um, just to really try to bring baby down. Because at this point, it's probably like 11 o'clock at night, midnight, maybe. And I remember thinking at some point, this is not going well. I'm afraid that I'm going to have to transfer. Like, I just feel like this has been going on forever and I don't know what's going on. And what I didn't realize was that he was, he had been, sorry. It's okay. Hold on one second. Um, what I didn't realize was that he had been trying to come down and engage and he just kept hitting that cervical up over and over. And once we kind of got that taken care of and we moved to the floor and started doing all those positions, I was like, oh my God, I, I, I feel it. It's the bowling ball. It's, I understand what you mean now. <laughs> and things just changed. Like all of a sudden I was like, okay, we need to push like things. I, something needs to happen and I've got to get this baby out like now. And I just, Helen <laughs> kept saying, you have to get primal. Like that's all I kept hearing throughout the entire time. I don't think I heard anything else from anyone else was like, get primal, Brooke, get primal. And yeah, that's when we started pushing and I pushed and pushed and pushed probably, I mean, it was on and off for three hours, but at that point it was probably about like 45 minutes. And I know this because I have a video and I've watched it a couple of times now. We also think that there is something kind of like funky going on with my pelvis that also caused him to not engage well. And I, instead of kind of like breathing him down, I really had to push him down. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it and does. that was really, really, really hard. Like I was pouring sweat. I was <laughs> gripping like the bed sheets so hard. And then I felt that ring of fire and it is true what they say. I was like, oh, that's it. I feel it. I feel it. And, and were you were primal? Just, were you like roaring? Oh my God. I yeah. was, I, my husband was like, I have never heard you made the sounds that you made. Um, and I was watching the video and I made my sister watch it with me. And she was like, oh my God, I don't know how my son didn't wake up through it, honestly. But I love that your doula was giving you permission we live in a society where we're cultured to like be kind of quiet and like not speak up and like whatever. And like, you have to find that roar. You just have to fully let go and you have to fully surrender and just like, you know? Oh yeah. It was, I mean, I mean it's like 10 times watch, louder than that, but you know, yeah, but I mean, watching the video, I was like, wow, that was really intense. So what position was he born in? Were you on your hands and knees or like squatting? What were you doing? So it's funny because I didn't even remember until I watched the video. I was squatting with my husband behind me. We've kind of gone back to that position. And I don't think I've ever done so many squats and lunges in my life as I did that day. But yeah, so he was born. Um, and it was... So he was okay. He's obviously fine now. But he did need a little help. His heart was fine. His coloring was fine, but he um, swallowed a lot of amniotic fluid and, you know, he had been stuck for a while. And so he did require some breaths. The midwife had to, had to help out a little bit. But the thing about it was it was so calm. Like no one was panicking. Everyone was just there and just reassuring. And she didn't like cut the cord and like take him away. She was just very much like, okay, I'm going to give him a few breaths. I'm going to take him from you for a second. He just needs a little help coming into the world. You know, he's had like a traumatic entry and he's just trying to like figure things out. 
And then she gave him back to me and she said, you know, I just need you to talk to him. Tell him it's okay. Tell him his name. Tell him what's going on. She said, I'm going to keep giving him a couple of breaths. Um, And she said, he's going to be okay. And, um, you know, my husband was behind me and the assistant was there and Helen was on the other side of me. And he eventually just popped his eyes open and started spitting out fluid and coughing it up and just, you know, screaming so loud, which was a really nice sound to hear. And I Um, love that she kept him attached so that he was fully oxygenated from his cord blood in your placenta, which was still attached. Yeah. 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 It's really important. um, Then... um, you know, we stayed on the floor for probably like a minute or two. And then I said, I think I need to get into the bed. And then within the next couple of minutes, um, my placenta was delivered and my son was nursing and my three-year-old woke up and came in the room and got to meet his brother. And he was just so excited. He heard him cry. He somehow didn't hear me, but he heard his brother cry. Um, What time was he born? 1.23 in the morning. Oh my gosh. And your son woke up and came in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So he got to come in and, you know, watch his like the like newborn exam and every, you know, testing their reflexes and everything and learning about nursing. And we took pictures together and we did the tour of the placenta, which was really cool. And yeah, I got up and walked to the bathroom and cleaned up and was able to walk, which was amazing. And my husband made me, I say dinner, made me breakfast, whatever it was. And we all sat in my bedroom on my bed and talked. And um, they stay for a while, obviously, to make the midwife stays for a while to make sure everything's okay. And they check to make sure everything like with your perineum and everything is okay and that there's no hemorrhaging. And it was just a really special time. We have these two pictures that are just amazing. I'm going to print them and put them up somewhere. They're just so special. Those first that like first hour after having him. Oh my gosh. It just like made me cry like 4 million times. (laughs) It sounds like so healing, you know, from when we met, I just feel like you had the birth that you, I mean, there was a lot of hard to that birth, right? Like no birth is easy. There was still a lot of hard, right? But it was very peaceful and calm and you had all the right team to help you through. You had a couple of bumps, but then you had the right team there to help you believe in your body and they believed in your body rather than like medicalizing it, which I think is just so beautiful. And there was a lot, there's a lot I learned in your story. And I think there's a lot other people have to learn from this story also. And thank um, you. well, I have some just like random questions for you. Yeah. And that is when you're having a home birth, if, did you have any tear, like vaginal tearing? I did. So it was right by where I tore with my son. It was just kind of like right next to it. So it was a like a second, what do you call it? A second degree? Is that how it's phrased? There's four. Yep. There's four. Yeah. So a first degree tear is just like a tiny little tear. Do, usually doesn't require stitching. A second degree sometimes requires stitching, sometimes not. And then yeah. third and fourth degree tears just require stitching. Yeah. So I didn't need any, which is amazing how it kind of just like heals on its own. I remember like looking the next day and I was like, really? And then it did. Yeah. It just yeah. like healed. 
Did your um, midwife give you any like herbs or balms or did you have any recipes to help for perineal healing? There were some for like a sitz bath type stuff that you could put like in a sitz bath. And then I had some pretty significant bruising from just kind of his entry into the world. And so used like Arnica, like under my tongue. And then just for like cramping, like after ease, which I didn't know after ease existed. It was amazing um, to help with the cramping afterwards. And just like heat, heating pad, stuff like that. It wasn't, yeah, it was amazing how your body just kind of like heals and knows what to do. It's really amazing. I interviewed someone a couple episodes ago that used Manuka honey. Um, oh, to heal yeah. their perineum too. And so oh. that was the first time I had heard that. And now I like just keep saying it to everyone because I think what it, it just made sense to me. I was like, That's oh, so smart. Yeah. I was like, that is so smart. Did you encapsulate your placenta or do anything with your placenta? I did. Helen did my placenta encapsulation. Okay. Yeah. And um, did you do it with your first also? I did. I think it really helped. I mean, I know a lot of people say, you know, there's not a lot of research around it, but I do feel, I mean, I feel like it helped. Me too. I'm a big fan of placenta encapsulation. And it's like, I mean, there's like so many things that we like do in a day that like aren't research-based. I mean, you could just like go through your entire day and be like, oh, I wonder if like this action is research-based or I wonder if this thing I do is research-based. And like anecdotally, if someone tells you that they do something and it makes you feel better, and then like hundreds and thousands and, you know, millions of women then continue to tell you that they did this thing and they felt better. That's like enough evidence for me. So yeah, like, ingesting your placenta helps you feel better. So just consider doing it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I just love your homebirth story. And I mean, clearly you had a great midwife and a great doula and it was so beautiful. And before you go... I'm just dying to know like what your favorite baby product is and (laughs) what you want to like, you know, pass on to the moms that come after you that listen to this podcast. What is a must buy? So we have this for both of our boys. So it's called the Hatch Light and it's amazing. So it's kind of multiple things in one. So one, it's like a noise machine. So you can do white noise or rain or the fan or whatever. It also is a a light. So it has different lights, which represent different kind of phases of like sleep. So there's like an orange red light for sleep. Um, When it turns blue, that's usually when you're waking up in the morning. Um, And it's also when your child's older. So like our toddler uses it. It's a like a wait to wake clock. So he knows when it turns a certain color, it's morning and he can get up versus if it's orange, it's nighttime and you need to stay asleep. So I think it's genius. It's been amazing. And we're using it now like as a sound machine for Ellis. But it's one of my favorite things that we've had. I love it. It is genius because I have like three products. Like I have a nightlight. <laughs> I have a noise machine. And we have a wake to wait yeah. to wake lock. So this is like all three of those things and one, a hatch light. Yeah. That's amazing. amazing. Okay. Well, we're yeah. going to link to it in the show notes. Brooke, so if anyone's listening and they're interested in connecting with you on social media, like what are your handles and how can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and it's B-H and then it's my last name, M-A-C-H-I-N. And then I'm on Facebook as well um, and it's under Brooke Machin, M-A-C-H-I-N. And I would love if anyone's interested or has questions about home birth or anything, I'm just obsessed and love everything about it. So please feel free to reach out. 
Yay. All right. Well, I'm glad that you found your roar. You got primal. You (laughs) pushed this baby out. You got your natural home birth. And you did all of this shit in the middle of coronavirus. Like, Heck yes. well yeah. done. I'm going to wake up for you. you. Yay, you. Brooke. Okay. Well, thank you for being on the Birth Story podcast and we'll catch up soon. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks, Heidi. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go, and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.